0: welcome to fruit snacks a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the christian worldview in a bite-sized format hey everyone welcome back to another episode of fruit snacks In this episode, we're going to finish up our discussion on the doctrine of baptism. And specifically, I want to look at some things that baptism does do for believers or how we should think about baptism beyond just the physical act of getting dunked in some water or sprinkled. What is actually going on from a spiritual perspective or even from a, dare I say, cosmic perspective? during baptism because there are some things to consider now i want to look at a passage in colossians chapter 2 because baptism is tied by paul to something that i don't think many christians have considered before or would even necessarily intuitively make a connection between and that is circumcision in the old testament So, let's hop over to Colossians chapter 2 and look at verses 11 and 12 to see what Paul says. In those verses, Paul writes, In him, speaking of Jesus in the context, Also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And so it's interesting here that Paul makes a direct correlation between Old Testament circumcision and New Testament baptism, saying essentially that Christians have been, in a way, circumcised, although in a spiritual sense, by having been baptized and gone through that process of identifying with Christ in his death and resurrection because you are now a new creature. And in a way, that is sort of like having been circumcised, spiritually speaking. Now, what that means is a couple things. Because in Paul's thinking, baptism is directly correlated with circumcision, that means that we cannot, or at very least we should not, ascribe to baptism anything that cannot also be ascribed to circumcision. And when we think about it that way, that actually means that some of what we think about in terms of baptism and in our modern day thinking is just plain wrong and unbiblical. For instance, I don't think any Christian that I know would say that there is anything mystical about circumcision in the Old Testament, that it didn't do anything, spiritually speaking, for those who received it. And in the same way, if it's the case that baptism and circumcision are, are tied together here in this passage in Colossians, then that means that baptism doesn't do anything mystical for the believer either. What it does, and what we can say about both baptism and circumcision, is that these were ways. Of identifying one as part of God's people, as a way of belonging to him. But we can certainly affirm that circumcision was not in any way salvific, that is, gaining salvation for a person in the Old Testament. How do we know this? Well, first of all, we know this because during the the events of Numbers, when Israel, who was circumcised, basically uh, went on a 40-year death march in the wilderness because they were denied entry to the promised land. That generation was because of their disobedience. They were all circumcised because they were Israelites, and yet they died because of disobedience. That doesn't mean they weren't part of God's chosen people, but what it does mean is that their individual fate and their... Uh, so-called perseverance wasn't dependent upon some outward symbol that they had or some outward act. And in the same way, just because a Christian has been baptized in no way guarantees that they will have a certain level of spiritual fitness or performance or perseverance throughout their Christian life. It's an outward symbol that identifies them as part of God's people, but that's it it's an outward symbol of identification. It doesn't have anything to do with personal sanctification or salvation. In a way, both of these things, circumcision and baptism, were a statement, but they were statements to different groups. These were both statements to other people that I have identified myself with Yahweh, I I belong to God in the Old Testament, or that I am a follower of Of Jesus Christ in the New Testament era. But I want you to think about baptism also as a form of spiritual warfare. Because by choosing to get baptized as a Christian, you are making a declaration to spiritual darkness. You are drawing a line in the sand, so to speak. And saying, this is where my loyalty lies now. You have no power over me anymore, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> and basically letting the the forces of spiritual darkness, you're, you're putting them on notice when you get baptized and you're declaring that you're not their property anymore. And so I want you to think that ba- about baptism in almost cosmic terms, as I said earlier, because it truly is a spiritual act. It's not just a physical thing. Oh, I got I got baptized at my church or in uh, my neighbor's pool one Sunday after service. What is going on there in terms of the spiritual realm is not only very real, it's very serious. And so there is weight to the act of choosing to get baptized and we should consider that and and take that very seriously. One more note on this. I think that because of this connection between baptism and circumcision, this is why the church was absolutely correct in Acts chapter 15 not to require circumcision of Gentile converts to Christianity for no other reason than baptism in the New Testament economy has replaced circumcision. As Paul says here, you are circumcised spiritually by the act of baptism and by identification with Christ. And so there is no more need for any other way of outward identification with Jesus or Christians. All right, well that wraps us up on this look at baptism. I hope that you found this helpful. Next week we're going to turn our attention to another doctrine, so please stay tuned I can't wait to join you next week for more.